Welcome to Musically Speaking, the podcast with your hosts, Lewis and Pedro, where we discuss all things music, the business of music, and making your mark as an independent artist. We're glad you're here. So let's get this show started. Hip hop, hip hop, hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Welcome to another episode of Musically Speaking, the podcast. My name is Pedro. And my name is Funky Flo Lou. Yeah, was that really? Was nah, that nah. really? <laughs> nah. Uh, uh, I, I had one though. I had, <laughs> I had, I had a name and I had a rhyme too. Oh, yeah. We're gonna be talking about growing yeah, up hip hop. Growing up hip hop, baby. And for those who grew up, I would say somewhere between 1981 or so, and maybe in the early 90s. Got it right. Yeah. This right. is this is this is for you. This episode is for you. And for those who are kind of more of the modern hip-hop heads, you probably want to pay attention to this. Cause yeah, we're about to school you. You will not be able to be where you are without some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. Although, some of it is so different that you're probably like, how is that even possible? You know, some of the stuff that we went through to listen to our hip-hop, you know, someone's in a click of a button. Yeah, so get your Google browser out. <laughs> That's right. This I think that the episode notes for this particular show is probably going to be pretty it might take me a while to put together because it's going to be <laughs> we're going to talk about a lot here man but growing up hip-hop man i mean hip-hop was first of all Lewis and i we're we're from new york new york that's right boogie down where hip-hop was born i was actually born and raised in queens but you know hip-hop was born in the bronx it right? was born in the okay, bronx thank you. i just want to make it was sure born in the bronx that. but you know all the best rappers come from queens but we're gonna leave that one alone <laughs> uh, yeah. all right but uh yeah, man. Uh, Lewis, man, hip hop was a, was was probably a big part of it. It was a big part of my growing up. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I listened to everything growing up. I mean, my parents were Dominican, so I had the salsa, I had the merengue, bolero. So I didn't start getting into hip hop until I was old enough, and finally cable showed up to my neighborhood because you know yeah. Queens was we were <laughs> late. We were late on that. That's true. But when cable finally made it to Queens and I had access to MTV when they played videos. Yeah. That's when they played. You're right. That's <laughs> back in the days when they did play video, radio, um, radio, music videos. I'm sorry. They played music videos, man. Yeah. And it was, it was big because. But, but, go ahead. Go ahead. It was big because my parents listened to English music, but just like anybody who grows up, and that's the music, the English music that they listen to. My dad listened to the disco, the popular 80s stuff. Okay, okay. You know, so hip hop to him, he was like, I don't know what this gang stuff is about. I don't know. They're not even singing. So he wasn't into it. Yeah. But I knew that that's what I would hear from the cars. The people had the boom boxes. My cousins who were older were listening to stuff. So I wanted to know more. And the only way you could do that was if you either bought your stuff, bootlegged it, or saw it on TV or heard it on radio. Well, let me tell you something. I, I remember days I used to rush home from school to catch a video music box. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. You know, you know about that. So that, you know, I used to rush home just to catch that episode. Back in the days, you know, I was I was heavy into music, man. I had my little boom box in my house, had my little tape decks. Put the little tape around the the, the corner so oh, you can yeah. record. Yeah, that was necessary. Yeah, hell yeah, 
listen to the radio and make sure you catch that show. Or you catch, you know, Magic Molly Ma doing his thing or DJ Red Alert and, and be able to catch those mixtapes. That was that was the thing back in the days, man. I, I just remember those were good memories. Those man. are yeah, man. I used to Yo MTV Raps was really big too for yeah. me. Because if you were on Yo MTV Raps, you were important. Yeah, it wasn't that Ed, hosted by Ed Lover and um. Yeah, we had his other face, but yeah, that was that was that was big because anybody who was anybody got on that show. Yeah, yeah, and they had a segment called the Basement. Yeah, where they just went down and just freestyle. They went yeah, there. That, yeah, you, they would interview people that were coming up. Yeah, and the for me, summer was the time to really catch up. Yeah, on on music. So there was there was. So just put MTV on, wake up around eleven, and just watch music videos all day. Eventually, they would get to the hip hop. Um, remember, hip hop was still somewhat raw yeah. at that time. You know, music videos, yeah, was underground something yeah. that they would promote so hard on MTV. They were big on the pop. Yeah. Nah, that's for sure. You catch videos like like that. You know, like Aaron B, Eric B and Rakim, or you catch a. Uh, a Biz Marquee video or, or a Big Daddy Kane on Video Music Box or The Box. Um, I, those are good memories, man. That That's when hip-hop for me was super influential. You know, growing up in the Bronx, a lot of, you know, street parties or, or parties in the park where you got exposed to local DJs who were just, just meshing these, these records together. One of my earliest memories was going to a house party. And I had to be, what, 12, 13 years old? And that's the first time I heard Eric B and Rakim. What was it, Paid in Full, probably? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, from that album. Uh, but it was, um, I said it before, I never let the mic magnetize me no more. So I, I remember that, man. That, that, and that party, that just, that just opened my eyes, and, and I, I was hooked, man. And, and you know, I just remember... Those songs that were instrumental in my life, man. You know, I, I used, to, used to record them and play them back to back, and and just enjoyed hip hop and and being able to grow up during that phase. And we're talking, we're talking about like the Queen Latifahs and and the the Big Daddy Kanes, um, Special Ed, and you know all those those artists who were just breaking boundaries and and making good music. Man. Yeah, it was it was a a big deal for me. I mean, I always really emulated folks that I felt were really cool. You know, LL Cool J, like he had the Kangol hat, the chain. Ain't, ain't nobody smoother than LL Cool J. He was just, bro. you know, that was just something. And then he always had like that swagger. Like he was rough, but then he would come out with like something like, I need love. I need love. You yeah, know? smooth was, with the lady. You know, and Big Daddy Kane was another one, man. Yeah, he was just yeah. like Smooth Operator was a, a big yeah. favorite of mine. You know mine. what I loved about him? His two dancers, Scoop and Scrap. Oh what? Yeah, their their shows were crazy, bro. They they were doing the flips. They were they were just wilding out. I, and I they were that. great on those videos too, man. Yeah, hell I yeah. mean, ain't no half stepping. I would do the dances, and his rapping was just like he was smooth, but he was lyrically killing you. Yeah, he's quick. He's quick with his rhyme scheme. He's it's crazy. He's still performing today, man. He's still yeah. and still dancing. Very like energetic. That. Yeah, for sure. Very energetic. I'm sure he was dope. That's who I wanted to be. I wanted to be cool, you know, and they represented that to the nth degree, you know. Uh, earlier, we were kind of chatting offline. We talked about kind of the differences of the when the music started to shift a little bit. You're talking about, like, during the maybe late 80s, very close to early 90s. You're talking about, like, Native Tongues mm. and uh, that whole collective. Yeah, Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. Um, Jungle Brothers. De La Soul. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. You gravitated towards that. Oh hell yeah, I love that. That's to me that was conscious rap. You know, they, and they talked about things that at that time I related to. You know, talk about love and relationships and 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 you know with some sexual innuendos a little bit. You know, you're young. You know, you're you're, you're all hyped up. Yeah. And, you know, with the girls and stuff. So yeah, I mean that. I just love that style. And and what attracted me to that to native tongues is their use of samples. They really took music to another level because at the time, a lot of that music had some samples. Very easy. Yeah. You know, you kind of knew that they were really ripping off that other piece real quick. Right. And using maybe a couple of beats. Or it was very, very, uh, very simple. Right. No samples. I mean, Def Jam was pretty much the right. people that really worked on like Ruben and those guys. I mean, you just looked at like Run DMC's beats. Just loops. LL Cool. Yeah, 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 it was like really, really simple. They took it to another level because they used to listen to all this crazy stuff. Digging the crates, bro. They used to read it, find find records that you would never think. I'm talking about jazz records, um, operatic, you know, records. Yeah, they were they were like there's a whole science to that. Yeah, they would use loops that you never really thought of before yeah. and just really play around with with the sounds. Yeah, Q-Tip was really good at that. Yeah, Q-Tip was, I mean, a, a genius. Yeah. And As a matter of fact, I think they they focus on that in the episode of uh, Hip Hop Evolution, right? Yeah, Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix, man. You better check that oh, out. It's man. great. Yeah. Uh, what we're talking about is a very kind of small snippet of that, but they go into some great detail and I think Busta Rhymes, who was, uh, you know, kind of within that that group of kind of that he never he said he wasn't part of the native tongues. They, right. they said, he but said he was, was part of the new school leaders of the new school. leaders of the new school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was part of that, but he was always hanging around in the studio, and he said that Q-Tip just was on some other level. Yeah, threw away a ton of beats <laughs> <laughs> if he didn't like it. So he was like, "What what you heard was something that he felt was important." Right, and that that was a big part of that. You know, and it was. Conscious rap and I, I gravitated more towards Public Enemy. Okay, kind of a more like, ah, you know, I was just I, I liked how angry Chuck D always was. <laughs> I don't know what it was about it, but yeah. you know, but it was it was really kind of in your face. And you know, when once NWA came out, you know, I I didn't know anything about the West Coast. I never. Yeah, been but about how how did you get attracted to that? You, you're you know you're from from Queens. Well, I think a big part of it was. The, that there was a, a channel called the box and okay. that channel what you did was they used to have a menu but that's not that wasn't free though right nah nah it wasn't free uh -oh. they, they used to uh -oh. they used to scroll the the uh, the songs on the bottom with like a code okay and you would call a 900 number 900 number a 900 number a 900 number it was like a $3.95 a song a, a 900 number not 900 okay so you got to make sure that when once you dial that number and you it'll it'll prompt you press no trouble already bro press your ID you know beep 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 you press the three numbers and that video would play eventually it was almost like a a virtual video jukebox okay so now at the time you know at, at $3 and change a song it was at least $4 bro. you know so i was i was tell me tell me you didn't you didn't call that well I didn't. I I would eventually get to see whatever I wanted to, but there was at the time Belbert DeVoe came out with Poison and I needed to see that video cuz uh -oh. I needed to record it. I see where this is going. So I was it was summertime, a couple of days passed and uh -oh. every time cuz I used to flip the channels, I would flip between VH1, MTV and the box. Okay. 
But every time I caught the song, mm-hmm. it was it already started. I needed the whole. Now, if anybody has seen the full video of the Bell Bid the Vote, you know that there's a little bit of an intro where they coming up off the off the great. You remember that, don't and, you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I paid for it dearly, <laughs> uh, but I needed that intro. And if I couldn't, I mean, I didn't want the song. I needed the whole intro. I was recording the video, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna order the song and wait till it comes out, right? The problem was I waited about two hours and, and, and I already paid, you know, I already already called and the song wasn't coming up. So I was like, maybe I didn't get it right. Maybe it didn't go through. So I called again and called a couple of times, actually, because I figured maybe they'll play my song back to back if I call again real quick. Needless to say, the song finally comes on. I record the video. I have a memory of it now. I can replay it whenever I want. The problem was, uh, you know, the phone bill comes in. <laughs> and there were these multiple calls. It, it to, cost you how much, bro, for this one song? I, I got to be at least $50. Oh, $50? $50. That's oh, it. That, you sound just like my dad did <laughs> when he saw that. Who? What is Music Box? And what is? why is this costing me $50? <laughs> Damn, son. That's crazy. But I, I did get the video. Okay, well at least you got that. That's, and I that's was crazy. able to, I was able to watch well, it. Well, thank goodness they don't got that no more. They got, they got YouTube now. Yeah, for free. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Uh, Where was YouTube back then? Wow, well, we were on own tubes. We we had to, <laughs> we had to go and record them. I would record it. Tell me about it. There was no iTunes. There was no download. No music. There was put the tape in the tape deck and just pray to God that your song comes in when it comes in. Cassettes. I mean, one of the. One of the ways that I was able to get a good amount of music without having to wait too long mm-hmm. was uh, the top eight at eight on Hot 97. Okay, okay. I think they still do it. It's just not the same. Yeah. Because back then, Funk Flex wouldn't talk so much. Flex, you listening? You know, it wasn't like, yo, what up? You know, it was, he would just be like, yo, what up, man? It's a top eight at eight. And then they would play most of the songs, about yeah. eight songs, within about 30 minutes. Okay. So you got, and most of it, I would say about 75 to 90% of the song. Would, yeah. So that's when I would record it. Back to Video Music Box, I remember um, it was VJ Ralph McDaniels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so he played probably the top, the top hip-hop videos. And like you said before, you know, at that time, that was probably one of the only places where you can catch hip-hop videos like that. And so I remember, you know, recording. I had mad VHS tapes. I used to record that show all the time. You caught just the coolest videos, and one of the videos I remember was long. Yeah, self destruction. Um, that was a big. That was a big deal. Yeah, it, it was a big deal. It was kind of like a we are the world, right, for hip hop. Yeah. Which was um, a big thing during the late eighties, early nineties. Everybody yeah. wanted to do like a we want to help everybody track. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it was back in the stop the violence um uh, movement. Yeah, which is a big um, deal, and and it came from the what was it the death of. One of uh, KRS-One's partner. Uh, what's his name? Um, Scott LaRock. Whoever's, you know, hip-hop at that time yep. was part of that that song. So it was uh, definitely a great memory. You know, there, there's some, some, throughout that time, there's some memorable songs, memorable artists, memorable um, albums that that uh, that always bring me back, right? So I know I, I keep a playlist of, of hip-hop songs back in that era that kind of remind me of how I grew up and where I grew up and... and and how much I enjoy music. And um, are there any memories or any artists or particular songs that that uh, that do that for you? There were a few, man. I mean, I think one song that 
really kind of helped me understand hip hop a little bit more was uh, Walk This Way. Okay, from DMC. DMC. Okay. That was kind of cool to see that. It was one of the first hip hop videos that MTV really embraced. Yeah, and historic. So I got a little bit of both worlds there. Yeah. That's so cool. that was that was a, a song that I really kind of identified with. Um, pretty much anything Big Daddy Kane came out with, I was really really into. Um, I really enjoyed enjoyed that a lot. Uh, you know when N.W.A. kind of came out, it, it for me it was like sh- seeing a perspective of a place that I've never been to. Yeah, you know that's they, cool. Yeah, they I didn't know what California was like. Right. And whatever I thought California was was whatever the Beach Boys was telling me. Yeah. <laughs> so when they showed you like, yo, this is the hood here. And it was a different hood. I know New York City hood. Yeah. I know what that looks like and feels like. But when they're rolling around and they're wearing these black Raiders hats and they're walking in the streets wearing these clothes that nobody wears out here. Yeah. And those beats were like super hard and they were cursing a lot. Like they weren't people. People cursed in New York City hip hop. But it was like, you know, it wasn't like that. They right. were angry and they were very upset. And I was like, man, like, that's how it is out there. And I, I just, it was just a different world for me. I mean, they were like our public enemy, right? Yeah, they were like public enemy West, but like on steroids. Yeah. They were just, they <laughs> that's were, for sure, they yeah. were super, but they were like public, public enemy was like mad at the world, but they had like a historical context to it. Right. They kind of told you like, this is why we're upset. Yeah. NWA was just mad. Yeah, and if, if you and if you want to learn more about NWA, there's a great movie, um, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I check thought it was okay. Out. I didn't love so? it. Okay. I didn't love it, only because I think that that story wasn't told in the way that I think would have been told if Easy E was alive. Mm, okay, good point. Even though um, his wife had a lot of input. Yeah. In it. Yeah, I thought she blessed it. Yeah, but. It was a story. I mean, I, I I thought I think it's a good place to go. Yeah, because they'll give you some context. But that 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 group had way too many layers, way too many layers. I mean, we're talking about Ice Cube writing most of the work and then not getting paid and being pissed. Well, you know, they they probably need to treat it like they did, like the New Edition story, for example. Yes, you know, full three episodes, like really go deep. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe I mean, even if I. They they have to go deeper in there. There's a lot a, a lot more of a story to it. Right. I mean, Easy E was extremely influential, and him not not being alive, I think took away a lot from that. Yeah. I think some of the stories that he would have been able to say and tell, and basically, if they were making this movie, would have said, Nah, nah, cut that, change this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think my taste of West Coast music really kind of grew when uh, Snoop Dogg. Was introduced and he he released Doggy Style. Oh yeah, Death Row um, Records. Yeah, that's one of one of the greatest records that I in my collection. Out of that, you got Nate Dogg and Warren G. Oh um, yeah, the Warren G. album is a is a personal favorite of mine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, Regularly, you know, yeah, that's what I remember. And then and then Tupac. You know, Tupac is a special story because you know he's originally New York, and you know, not getting it too deep into the whole East Coast West Coast thing, but you know, Tupac started out in digital underground, started out in the New York scene. Ended up, uh, you know, at 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 death. Uh, um, well, he went to death row. Rec- yeah, went to death row. Eventually, records. he went to death row records. But before that, while he was hanging out with the with Digital Underground and being kind of in the Oakland scene, right, he did release some work there. Didn't really go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. But there were some gems in there. Yeah, it yeah, was, I agree. He just he did, he wasn't wasn't sure where he was. Right. 
uh, artistically. Once yeah. Steph Rowe came into the picture, um, I think that's where Tupac, Tupac. Yeah, and one of my favorite albums is his greatest hits album. And, you know, and, and the work that he did with Snoop and California Love and Changes and, and those songs, you know, he, he goes down uh, always in that GOAT talk. You know, amongst the greatest MCs of all time, he's definitely yeah. definitely in that conversation. I think he, I think he definitely is. Uh, you know, there's always, uh, you know, that talk of of who is the best. I mean, it's very hard because yeah. hip hop has gone through so many phases and and so many changes. Yeah. Um. But he's definitely up there. I mean, if I was a a bigger Biggie fan, okay. Um. I liked his storytelling. Uh, I liked that he never really kind of wrote down his lyrics. The yeah. dude was always talking from like the top of his dome. And, yeah. and his style, his style of telling the stories just made you feel like you were there. Yeah, exactly. I yep. mean, that's if, why he was loved, man. Life After Death for me is a very special album because first of all, he passes away during all of this. I'm kind of turning into what was a teenager I'm going about to go to high school at yeah. the time. And I was like, man, like, that was like the first really big death. Yeah. That I was like, man, like that's that's kind of crazy. Like once Biggie and Tupac and these guys started to pass off, um, it was rough. It was rough because you 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 were like there was so much more they could give. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, one of my favorite songs out of him, and I don't. It, of course, it w- it wasn't radio friendly. Was Ten Crack Commandments. Yeah, but the story to that... Yeah, it's amazing, bro. It's great. I mean, first of all, uh, for those who have not heard Life After Death, completely, in its entirety, because it's a double album, it's long, please do so. Yeah. There's a, a couple of, of fillers in there, obviously, yeah. but there's so much. It's it's really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Yeah, agreed, agreed. He's he's one of the, uh, if not one of the best MCs of, of all time. Um, one of my other uh, albums that that uh, that's dear to my heart is Nas's Illmatic. Oh my god! Um, the hype to that album was yeah, it's just the, the, it and lives up to the hype. Yeah, and the story behind it, you know, is his first album, and it's that the producers that are on the album are amazing. He's like an all star producing yeah, team. He, yeah, he was. I think he was the only rapper at the time who was able to choose. That's how hot he was. Yeah, he he was like, I want to make this album. I want these guys to work on it. They were like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> New York State of Mind was uh, was just 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 the beat alone. Just play the beat, and that's all you need. But Nas, just how he attacked uh, those lyrically, and again, there's there's an episode in Hip Hop Evolution that just talks about that kind um, of that sound and yeah, how that important come up of that yep. album and, and how yeah, how impactful that album was to hip hop in general. Um, if it's not on your playlist, it has to be. Illmatic has to be one of your top ones. You should at hip-hop. least take some time to listen to that album without kind of skipping anything just yeah. listen to it and pay attention to the stories because when he's Nas is a great storyteller yeah, as well yeah yeah there's one where he talks about his boy that's in jail um it's an amazing album man and like like you said just listening to the lyrical content his delivery of it not just the beats but listen to the lyrical content and it tells stories and it puts you in a place and puts you in a time where you probably haven't been you know one of the things that they said it was that this album put you where he was. You saw life that he saw in your eyes. I mean, being, you know, I have no friends from Queensbridge. I've been around there, but I wasn't living in there. Yeah. You listen to that album and you know what it's like to be basically a, a black man trying to survive yeah. in that environment. And it really takes you there, you know. So 
worth yeah. a listen. Yeah, yeah. And story goes, Roxanne Shante discovered him. They talk a little bit about that in Hip Hop Evolution. Yeah, because so, yeah, cool they, they were... Uh, both out of Queensbridge yeah, houses. Yeah, all the same that's buildings. Where, that's yeah, where they're yeah. at. Yeah. That's so. amazing stuff. You know, as time progresses, you know, as we get older, there, there are different forms of hip-hop. After the Biggie and New York scene, you know, you got into the whole Puffy and Mace and, and that whole show. Yeah, that was rough. I think that the death of, of Biggie and Tupac kind of jolted the hip-hop scene. They didn't know what to do. Yeah, left a void. Yeah. They didn't know what to do. And I think Puffy took that as an opportunity perhaps to say you know what it got a little too gritty for me right right let's let's do some dancing let's 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 <laughs> let's dance let's do something but it, it put people in a rough spot because yeah. there were some bomb rappers that felt like they needed to go that route to sell right or to be heard even Nas fell victim to that yeah i mean when that album came out or was, i believe it's nostradamus mm-hmm. i'm sorry but some of those songs Not i mean they were best, yeah. they were dope but he felt for that. Jay-Z felt for it. <laughs> yeah, true. Jay, some of those songs from that album around that time when Jay-Z, I was like, what the hell is this crap? You would just put out reasonable doubt. You know, so that was that was tough. You know, Cameron fell for that crap. I mean, the locks. I mean, these are so all those artists fell into this like glitter. And I think the person who really got to change that was DMX. Mm, yeah. When DMX came out and was like super hard, and Eminem to an extent, but I think DMX was kind of the first one to, because then the locks were like, "I'm out of here." They left Bad yeah, Boy. Yeah, that that was like, all right, we need something different. That was a, there was a bit of a gap there. Yeah, I think when Eminem came out, he he brought storytelling back. Yeah, to hip hop. I think that's what it was because they needed to do something about the fact that. This glitter and glamour and right. glitz. It was like, all right, you know, and but it got it it's it they it slowly became its own form and Eminem really when that Slim Shady LP came out, I I saw the video. Okay. And I was like, Oh, I don't know about this guy. You know, because it almost seemed like a novelty. It was a great song, but it almost seemed like a novelty. It wasn't until I think Marshall Mathers LP came around. Yeah. Where he blew up because Slim Shady LP was a big deal. Actually, celebrating the anniversary. Oh, okay. This year, but yeah, Eminem really brought kind of that storytelling and that that idea that hip hop is to be able to show you where you're from. You know, Eminem really showed you what a poor white kid from Detroit was going through, who loves hip hop. Like that's what I really kind of brought me to him right it had a different story it was done very well but you didn't know about that i didn't know anything about detroit or what people who were really into yeah, it was a whole different world yeah so that was important eventually you had other great artists like outcast yeah. people in texas and in even even some other parts of west coast bringing that in and now hip-hop is what it is today where yeah. it's like i mean atlanta right now is where it's at one of the memories I have and when hip hop was kind of making a change was the introduction of the Fugees. I think they were the first kind of big group to kind of blend hip hop and R&B. As a group. As a group, correct. With, you know, dynamic members of that group, especially Lauren Hill, who in my in my eyes was like the triple threat. You know, she oh, she yeah. can sing. I mean, she can sing, sing. She is an, a phenomenal lyricist. 
Oh yeah. Goes goes toe to toe with the best of them. Ready or not is Oh, that that that's a that's a She album. killed it with that with with her her verse was the one. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And then not to mention, you know, she's a great actress, you know, but um but nonetheless, I, that that album was amazing from beginning to end. They had so many hits from that. It catapulted their their career. It enabled Lauren Hill to spin off and and do Miseducation of Lauren Hill, which by far is probably one of the best R and B albums of all time. I consider that a, a, a kind of a blend. It was hip hop and R and B because yeah. it was. But there's there's some. That's a. I think one of the best overall, like from start to finish albums that that you'll probably ever hear yeah yeah very strong and and it's a good example of what albums used to be right so there's there's it's a storyline weaves through the whole album it's non-stop right so there's intros and and outros and 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 interludes and she does all kind of creative stuff and really the theme of the album is miseducation of lauren hill so it's based off of a school scene so if you listen to the album you hear you know, kids in school and a teacher going through lessons and the songs kind of weave into each other. It's it's an amazing album, man. And it's, it's one one of my top five of all time. Yeah, I think, you know, Lauren Hill has gotten some flack because of whatever, you know, is going on with her lately. Yeah. But it, it does not dismiss how good this album was and what a Grammy darling it was. Oh, yeah. Because that's right. it, it really, I mean, she won a gazillion awards. Yeah. People thought that this was going to be the beginning of her doing some crazy stuff. And it kind of never materialized, but... If you have that, you have that album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, it was one of those situations where you're, you're big, you know, you blew your load off your first album. It's yeah. like, you'll, it'll always be compared to that. It's going to be really hard for her to ever match something that Yeah, great. absolutely. It's that great. For that's, that's like a thriller kind of a deal, you know? So, yeah, amazing, amazing album. So, I mean, those are some of my memories of growing up in hip-hop, you know, and... and you know, I can't say that uh, um, I'm not a fan of hip hop today. I love I love some of the stuff that's out now, how it's changed, morphed into, you know, into a whole new sound. Not like when I grew up, you know, and I guess maybe I'm biased <laughs> because of my age. But yeah, I think a lot of it is also those songs are attached to memories. Yeah. And, yeah. and things that we we remember, you know, right. you listen to a song, you're like, oh, man, that takes me back to I don't really have any sort of like emotional attachment to Amigos track. <laughs> So it's just not gonna work for yeah, me. Like I'm yeah. not gonna listen to like Twenty One Savage and be like, "Yo, that takes me back, son," to like what last week when I had to like wash dishes. Like I don't, yeah. you know. So <laughs> I think that's a big part of it. However, there are moments where I still feel connected to particular artists. You know, if I still, you know, before Kanye West lost his mind, anytime he came out with something, I felt like you know I could really vibe with this. Yeah. I felt close to it. Eminem, even though a lot of people are like he's trash, whatever, anything that he comes out with somehow relates to my life at the time, you know. So there's some artists that can still do that, even Jay Z to some extent, but it's hard to do in hip hop. Yeah, but but notice you're naming artists who are still had music out back in correct. Your day, I right? have an emotional attachment right. to them already, so right. that that's a big part of it as well. Yeah. And it's probably just built into our our DNA. You know that that's that's how it is. You know we we grow up and we 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 have songs that are the the storyline of our lives. You know now there's a new generation who are growing up in hip hop, and you know who knows maybe Migos and Twenty One Savage are 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 painting the stories of their lives. Yeah. Um. You know, different and, different strokes with different folks. Of course. And for those who are listening in who are kind of a, a much younger than us, 
and you're listening to some of this hip hop right now that's out, you know, how do you identify with that? What are the songs that you're listening to that are you're like, man, that's going to take me back. Like every time I listen to that song, it makes me feel a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. What are, you know, what are your, what are your Marshall Mathers LPs? You know, what right. are, what are your Big Daddy Canes? You know, what are your native tongues? You know, so let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, man. All right. Well, appreciate you listening in to another episode of Musically Speaking, the podcast. Please be sure to share, to subscribe, to uh, leave us a comment, leave us a review, and uh, check us out as much as you can. Yeah, don't forget to check us out on the website, www.musicallyspeakingpodcast.com. Yes, sir. Thank you for tuning in to Musically Speaking with your hosts, Lewis and Pedro. Be sure to visit musicallyspeakingpodcast.com for show notes, past episodes,